Hey, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Sunday morning. I've got the stream feed up here, kind of the chat room going on. Just want to give some shout outs. Uh, Good morning to the Flats Lebanon crew. So we've got a group of folks at the Flats Apartments, James and Norma Jean and Roger and Alice, and I think there's a whole living room full there. So good morning to the Flats crew. Miss seeing you guys. And, and then morning to the Vanderipes. Vanderipes from Carmel. Miss you guys. Love you guys. And, and then Strickland crew. Hey, Stricklands and Burgers up there. Uh, North Zionsville, good morning, miss you guys, love you guys. And then how about, we've got Stephen and Tamara Toddy joining us from San Diego. Hey, so Toddies, we had a little San Diego-like weather yesterday. It was amazing. Thank you for sending us the vitamin D to Indiana today. Not so much, but we'll take a week and get if we get 50% of the weekend with some sun. So miss you, Toddy. So glad you could join us. And then a whole host of other folks. So hey, just say good morning and thanks for jumping on the chat. And, and we want you to know we want to connect with you. So maybe you're watching and haven't jumped into the chat yet, but if you would like to become more connected to us, we'd love to become more connected to you. So one of the ways you can do that is sign up for our regular like subscribe email so you can get regular communications from us, let you know about other resources and connection opportunities to push your way. Online hosts can push out that information, but you go to our website and sign up for that. But we want you to know we're here. We want to pray for you. We want to connect with you. And thanks for being a part virtually with us. Someday we'll be able to be back together physically, but in the meantime, we've got our virtual connection and we're grateful for that. All right, if you've got a Bible near you, open it up to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I want to talk this morning about this, this moment in life that comes where, have you been in this place where you just, you want to run, you want to get out of here, you've got this thing inside of you that says, I got to get out of here, and God comes in that space and says, stay. So how many Lord of the Ring fans do we have, all right, viewing today? Lord of the Rings, remember the scene in the Fellowship of the Ring, which by the way, that would be a good little, like you need some quarantine, like, hey, spend some hours, Lord of the Rings trilogy, that'll burn off some hours. In the Fellowship of the Ring, there's this scene where Sam and Frodo are leading their, like, leaving their beloved Shrier, like the comfortable confines of their home, and they were heading across like the meadows and the fields and the forests, and, and they're, they're about to cross over this one place in the field, and Sam stops. He, he's walking along, and he just comes to a stop, and Frodo, or, or Frodo stops, and Sam keeps going, and, and then they have this exchange here. And I put it uh, on the screen here for you. Sam stops, Frodo stops as well. Says, what's the matter, Sam, Frodo says. If I take one more step, Sam says, I'll have gone further than I've been before. Frodo smiles, walks back to him, puts his arm around him and says, oh, come on, Sam. As Gandalf says, it's a dangerous thing just going out your door. <laughs> Amen. When we think about 2020, I think we all feel a little bit like Sam and Frodo, right? Where we're just like, we're stepping into some space that we've just never been in. Circumstances and situations that we've been before. Which is why I've wanted us to frame our experience we're having here in the spring of 2020 around the Paschal mystery of Jesus. 
And just to remind you of those five stages, right? That Jesus in his crucifixion, right, has us name our deaths. And then his resurrection, we claim our births. And then we're in this 40 days now. It's been 35 days since we celebrated Easter together. So we're right here in the space of the 40 days, which in the 40 days is where we grieve our losses and we adjust to a new reality. And then that comes to ascension. Ascension is where we refuse to kind of clutch and grasp and cling tightly to what used to be. We have to loosen our grip and let it ascend so we can get to Pentecost where we receive the spirit that's in step with the life we're actually living. And so I think these five stages just help provide a kind of a spiritual formation framework with what is God doing in this season? What is God doing during these months? And we're right here this morning at this hinge point between the 40 days in, headed towards the ascension. And so this is why we're in Acts chapter 1. So Jesus has risen from the dead in his resurrected body, has been spending time with the disciples and a broader community of people. He's been sharing meals with them, providing instructions for them. He reinstates Peter back into the fold. And now in Acts chapter 1, he's gathering just before he's about to ascend, and he has a conversation, I think one they didn't expect. So here's the scene, Acts 1, verse 1. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, who's the I here in, Luke, in uh, Acts 1? It's Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke. So four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Think of them as like four biographies of Jesus, Luke being one of the biographers. He also writes the book of Acts. Think of Acts as like the history of the church. So Gospels, life of Jesus, Acts, church of Jesus. And now he's unpacking verse 2, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. That's what we're going to look at today. Verse 3, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Underline in your Bibles, do not leave Jerusalem. Now, church, why would that have been hard for those early disciples in that space at that moment? Why would it have been hard for them to hear, do not leave Jerusalem? What did they just witness occur in Jerusalem? They just watched Jesus enter Jerusalem and get arrested and flogged and mocked and on a public trial and then beaten to the point where he's placed on a cross and he's crucified. He's brutally executed and placed in a tomb. They just witnessed all of that unfold. And in their minds, at the hand of the Roman leaders and at the encouragement of the Jewish religious officials. And those Roman leaders and Jewish officials are still in office. They still hold a seat of power. So put yourself in the disciples' shoes in Jerusalem now. What are you thinking? You're thinking, what happened to Jesus is probably going to happen to me. Like the things they said about Jesus, they're going to say, the things they did to Jesus are going to do to me. And so inside he was like, we got to get out of here. 
Like, it's go time. We've got crystal clear on our message now. Jesus had taught us. He trained us for three years. And then he carried out and he did exactly what he said he was going to do. No doubt the disciples were like, it took us a little while to connect the dots, but we've got the dots connected now. He's crucified. He was laid in a tomb. He's risen from the dead. He's right here. We've got the message straight. We know exactly what we need to take to the world. And let's get out of Jerusalem. Like, Let's run. And in that space, God's word to them is, stay. Stay. Do not leave Jerusalem. Stay in this space of uncertainty. Stay in this place where you can't see why you're here and how long you'll be here. Stay where you've got way more questions than answers. Just stay. Now think about the ways God comes in that moment when inside of you, you want to flee, but God comes and says, stay. And the disciples, very specifically here, they're supposed to stay and receive something, but they don't fully understand what's coming yet. They just have the command to stay, and they don't know how long. They're going to have to wait. It ends up being 10 days And some of you are in a 10-day waiting, a 10-month waiting, a 10-year waiting where God has simply said, stay. Stay in that marriage that's hanging on by a thread. Stay in that job that looks like it's going nowhere. Stay in that relationship that's just changed so much through the years. Stay in that church that maybe doesn't sing your favorite songs or preach your favorite sermons. Just stay. And in the staying... I want you to see now, watch what happens here in verse 4 and 5. There's a connection between staying and receiving. Watch it here in verse 4. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. That's the receiving part. You see that? Which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Do you see that? Do you see the connection between staying and receiving a gift from God? Man, in my life, I thought about this week. I thought there are a couple of times in pastoral ministry when everything inside of me said, exit, depart, transition, find another something. Like, just leave, leave Jerusalem, just go. And then as Kendra and I prayed into that space, the Lord came so clearly saying, stay. And I think about, I think about all of the gifts that I and we have received from simply staying. I think about all the shared history we have together, 25 plus years of ministry together, just Memories, sacred moments, shedding tears and laughter and all the ordinariness of life in between. I think about all the chapters of of spiritual family we've shared together, you know. Sometimes church life gets messy. Sometimes things, you know, they don't always go like we want them to go. And things get hard and difficult. And and I I think about so many of you who've stayed 
Like I could just go down a whole list of names of people who've just faithfully endured and planted themselves in this local body for literally decades. And I want you to think with me about all the things that God has poured out in the midst of this staying and the gifts of grace that he's given. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying there's never a time to make a change. There's never a time to make a transition. It's just this. When God comes to us clearly and says, stay, don't leave Jerusalem, even though everything inside of us is like, I got to get out of here. Will we do what the disciples are going to model right here? They stay. And then God's promise is, if you'll stay, you're going to receive something. You're going to receive something from him that you can't see right now, that you can't understand right now. But in the staying, have the eye of faith to look in and believe you're going to receive out of that obedience. That God's going to come to you and provide for you and break through in a way that you're going to receive. And specifically here, he tells them, he uses the word baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now that's Bible speak for, I put in your notes like what the word baptized means. It's what we witness when we're able to witness baptism, right? The people go under the water. It's literally the word means submerge or immerse or drenched, overwhelmed. It's this idea that Jesus says, just like your physical bodies were submerged and drenched in the waters of the Jordan River, now wait. Wait for your heart, your mind, your soul. Wait for every crevice of your life to be plunged into the personhood of the Holy Spirit. That's what baptized by the Spirit means. So he tells them, wait right there. If you'll just wait. Now, can you feel the tension if you're an early disciple there at this moment? Like, you got the message down. You look at the brokenness of the world. You look at the mess that just happened 35 days ago, and you go, we got to take this message out. We've got hope. We've got grace. We've got healing. We've got forgiveness. We got to go with this message. They got the message crystal clear. They've got all the, quote, answers. But see this now. Right message minus the Spirit's presence and power equals a hollow or insufficient representation of Jesus' life and ministry. I'm going to say that again. Right message, listen, right message, right doctrine, right answers, it's important. It's just not complete. Right message minus the Spirit's presence and power. Think of it this way, minus the actual life. Some of you have experienced in the name of Jesus' church a whole bunch of insufficient and hollow representation of Jesus' life. And that's something you're working through. And I want you to see that Jesus understood that, right? Some people can run around with all the right answers. They got a chapter and verse for everything. They just don't have the life. And some of you have been on the receiving end of maybe some very hurtful things, maybe some very damaging things from someone who had maybe the right answers, maybe the right doctrine. They just didn't have the life, the personhood, the presence of the Spirit plunging and drenching and saturating their world because it's right answers plus presence of the Spirit that equals the sufficient representation of what Jesus wants to go out to the ends of the earth. Are you tracking with me here? This is what he says. Look at verse 8 now. Jump down to verse 8 with me. He says, this is what he's trying to explain to him. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. That's just Bible word for my example 
in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So geographically, Jerusalem would be like your local city, and then Judea like your state, and then the, the, ends of, like the, the, the region that you're in. For them, that's basically the, the ends of the earth is like the known geographic territory. It's concentric circles growing out. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And so he says, you got to wait. You got to stay. Because I'm about to send you out on a mission that there's no possible way you can accomplish in your own wisdom and strength. You need to stay so you can receive something from me. That's life from beyond you. And so what I want to do with the remaining moments of the message here, I just want to peel back three layers and just get real practical and real clear. Like, what does that mean? Like, what does it look like to have a life that's drenched with the Holy Spirit, that's plunged into the personhood of the Spirit? I think we need to get real clear and kind of peel back some layers. So three layers this morning on this. The first one comes out of there, verse 8 that there's going to be this boldness and brokenness in our witness if we've got a genuine personal encounter with the Holy Spirit going on in our life. Now, we'll see in the weeks ahead that we're going to see where this storyline goes, especially in Acts 2 when we get to Pentecost Sunday in two weeks. But the early disciples here, their primary mission was going to be, they're going to get really bold about the message of Jesus' love and grace. That resurrection life is available to anyone who chooses to follow him. They're going to get really bold about that. And it's like in our lives, you, if you've had an encounter with Jesus, if you've met Jesus' grace, if you've tasted of his love and his forgiveness, if Jesus has impacted your life, there's something about it that it's just, you can't keep it to yourself. Now, you don't need to be super obnoxious about it. That's, it's not that. It's just that you, it just kind of, oozes out of you. There's an aroma, as the New Testament says, of your life. There's something that's radiating from you that's distinctively Christ-like. And that's this. There's this boldness about you want to help others. And there's a brokenness. Hear me now on this. In that time, first century Jerusalem, there's no lack of social injustice and darkness and evil going on all around them. And their hearts are broken for what God's heart is broken for. That's an indication of the Spirit taking over life. That when we today look at our world and we look at racism and we look at human trafficking and we look at poverty and we look at addiction and we look at spiritual lostness, we say together, we can't sit silent and idle. We need to move out and engage the brokenness and engage the lostness and engage the darkness because the spirit has inhabiting, it's taking over our life. What's breaking God's heart increasingly breaks your heart. That's boldness and brokenness in witness. You see that? That's one of the character qualities of a life that's been plunged into the personhood of the Holy Spirit. The second quality I put in your notes is this, is this hunger for God. This hunger for God. Hunger is a sign of life. Like dead things are not hungry. Well, that's playing super pastor obvious, isn't it? So, hey, Dead things are not hungry. If you've been made alive by Christ, there's a hunger for Christ. There's a hunger to get to know him, to walk with him, to want to discern and get what's on his heart, 
that you want to walk in his ways and you want to pursue his commands. And I think of what the psalmist says, I run in the path of your commands for you've set my heart free. Man, when you've been made alive in Christ, you are hungry for Christ because hunger is a sign of life. When the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good in Psalm 34, 8. It's that. And church, when you taste something, when you taste something that's really, really good, what do you want? You want more. So what's been like your COVID comfort food during these months? My COVID comfort food has been this. I've got the holy grail of cereal going on at the Simpson house. I've got the three. I've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for cereal. I've got Fruity Pebbles, Lucky Charms, and Peanut Butter Captain Crunch. And man, my family knows there isn't going to be a day going where I don't get one old big bowl of that going. Usually right before bed helps me slide into a nice rest. But yesterday I was just having one of those days. You have any of these kinds of days lately where, I don't know, I was just kind of off. I was out of sync. I just found myself like randomly tired at times and ways. I'm like, I have no reason to be tired. Like, I'm not that physically active these days. It's not like I'm thrust into that many draining situations. Like, I just was out of sorts this way. And so I laid down and tried to take a little nap in the afternoon. And true story, right in the middle of my nap yesterday morning, I wake up with this thought, I want the biggest bowl of Fruity Pebbles I've ever had. And so you know what I did? I just went down. I found like the biggest bowl in the cabinet (laughs) and I poured it and I had the milk and I went outside on our back porch there and the sun was out. It was like that San Diego sun and I'm sitting there with my Fruity Pebbles and my shades and soaking it in, listening to the birds, feeling the breeze and all was right with the world. And you know, when I got to the bottom of that bowl, it tasted so good. Some of you, don't be hating on Fruity Pebbles now. Don't be hating on it. You know, give it a whirl. You know what I wanted at the bottom of that bowl? I wanted more. (laughs) You know what I did? I went back inside and I got a second bowl. Because when you taste of something that's really, really good, what you want is more. Right? So jump on the chat. Now let's hear what your holy grail of COVID comfort food is. That'd be a good thing for you guys to chat about. Because hunger is a sign of life. One of my good friends is named Clyde Christensen. Here's a picture of Clyde. He's quarterback's coach. We got to know each other. 2002 is when we first met. He came to Indy to be a quarterback's coach here for the Colts. And so he's just recently joined Tampa Bay and their organization, QB coach. So Colts fans, I know, right? In your head, you're like, oh my gosh, Coach Clyde, you know what quarterback has just entered Tampa Bay's organization for you non-football fans? Tom Brady just signed with Tampa Bay. So Coach Clyde, here's his like football, like the players that he's coached. He coached Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and now Tom Brady. Not bad, right? I mean, Clyde... He's an unbelievably gifted coach, crazy good with X's and O's. But here's a picture from um, sidelines of this past year, back when we could be like closer than six feet to each other, right? So this is the fall, we're playing down in Tampa, and Clyde's there on the right, and that's Mark Vrogop, who's a lead pastor at College Park Church there in the center. Mark had some friends down in Tampa uh, on that weekend. And so we all hung out a little bit pregame and snapped this picture. 
And Clyde, here, here's, what, here's what Clyde's temperament's like. When the schedule comes out, which just came out a couple weeks ago, when the NFL releases its schedule, Clyde looks at the schedule and he gets really excited about night road games. Now, just a little memo here. There, virtually no one gets excited about night road games. That equals no sleep, like you lose a whole night of sleep. And if you're not in your 20s, it takes like three or four days to recover, right? So Clyde, he'll like, he'll get on the phone with me. He's like, oh, I'm so excited. Like we're playing Monday night in New Orleans. I'm like, Clyde goes, you know what that means? I go, what? He goes, that means I get like six or seven hours all to myself in the hotel on game day. And it's just me and the Lord. And I just get in his word. He just opens up the word and he prays and he journals and he, and he uses this line. He says, there's just nothing like knowing him. Now, Clyde's been a follower of Jesus for probably 50 years. And he's just as hungry, if not more so today, than he's ever been. It's this hunger as a sign of life. It's a, he's an example for me in my life of someone whose life's just plunged into the personhood of the Holy Spirit. I put a quote in your notes here. Here's what Tozer said about it. The moment the Spirit has quickened us to life in regeneration. Now, regeneration is just a theological term. Think of it like spiritual awakening. The moment you've been awakened spiritually. Our whole being senses its kinship to God and leaps up in joyous recognition. Stay with me here. That is the heavenly birth without which we cannot see the kingdom of God. It is, however, not an end, but an inception. For now begins the glorious pursuit, the heart's happy exploration of the infinite riches of the Godhead. Oh, how about that, church? There's a window. You want to know, what does it mean to stay and to wait and to obey and to trust that God's going to pour out the Spirit on your life? It looks like that. That there is a hunger that deepens and widens and grows with each passing year. There's a boldness and brokenness and witness. There's a hunger for God. And then thirdly, there's this Christ-likeness in your character. There's this journey of more of Jesus in more of you. So here's how the trajectory should go as we walk with Jesus. The longer we walk with Jesus, the more our life should reflect Jesus. Or maybe said another way, the longer you walk with Jesus, the more aware you become of how much of your life isn't like him. Like the gaps get clearer. You with me in that? I like what Dallas Willard says about it. I put this quote in your notes. He said, the thoughts that no longer occur to you, that's actually a good marker for spiritual maturity. So think about the things that used to be front burner thoughts in your mind that used to just kind of dominate your thoughts. You just used to play these recordings over and over in your head. And then part of the maturity of life with Jesus, they're just some thoughts that don't occur to you anymore. That's, that's this. Now listen, not perfectly. Your life is changing more like Jesus. Not perfectly, but progressively. You're changed and you're changing. And that there should be stuff that people who, who are close in our life that would point to and say, you know, I see more of Jesus and more of you. That's normal Christian life stuff. I have another friend who a few months ago said to me, he's about to turn 50 and he was reflecting. He'd got together with his family and they were talking about his life and telling some stories. And he said, Eric, 
my wife and my kids sat around and said something to this effect to him. Basically said, Dad, you're so different at 50 than you were at 45, we don't even know how to put it into words. I said, that's so, I said, different. And he, and he thought, well, I hope different, good. And he, and he said, what do you mean? And then my friend went on to describe, it was going on four years ago that he gave his heart to Jesus. And his wife and his children have had a front row seat to this reality, that his life got plunged into the personhood of the Holy Spirit. And not perfectly, but progressively, it's more of Jesus and more of him. Like month after month, year after year, that's normal Christian life. That shouldn't be like graduate school Christianity. That's just, it doesn't mean you don't have bad weeks or bad months. It just means Jesus is living in you, and Jesus is changing you, and Jesus is forging you, and Jesus is helping you step away from some sin and unhealthy patterns and ways here, and he's helping you step into life here, and, and it's a little bit more of this over the course of time. It's that. Do you see that? That's the, that's the window. And so I want you to look at these three qualities now. You've got this boldness and brokenness and witness. You've got this hunger for God. You've got this Christ-likeness in character. And all it, that's an attempt to unpack what does it mean to have a person's life like drenched with the Holy Spirit. In the language of Acts 1, what does it mean to be baptized with the Spirit? To be plunged into the personhood of the Spirit. To be Spirit-filled and live Spirit-led. What does that mean? I think at least those three things. Certainly not an all-inclusive list. So two questions as I wrap up. In your life right now, are there some circumstances going on and inside of you, you have felt a strong pull to exit, to run, to get out of Jerusalem? And you know in your heart of hearts, the Spirit of God is saying to you, stay. And I wonder if somebody's tuned in today to this message and really the Lord only wants you to hear one word today. Stay. And in the staying, believe that there's a receiving that's going to come. That God is going to come to you as you obey in the stay so you receive from Him what you most need right now. And you maybe can't even put words to it. That there's a gift, a breakthrough, something from God. God's going to come through for you in ways. But listen, I don't think the gift, I don't think the gift is going to be experienced if you run. Think with me about one example in the New Testament of a runner. Who ran out of the upper room? Last supper, sharing a meal, talking about what's going to happen, Jesus do you remember when Judas, remember when Judas just, it just started to kind of overtake him there in the upper room and he got up and he ran out of the upper room? I think he left too soon. And it didn't end so well for Judas, right? He, he goes and he betrays Jesus, sells him out, and eventually hangs himself. He's one of the four suicides in the Bible. That's why there's no St. Judas Cathedral in the world. And I just wonder all that Judas may have forfeited because he didn't stay. 
And so where in your life right now do you sense the Spirit of God? Stay. Do not leave Jerusalem. And then in the staying, begin to turn your heart upward and say, maybe you've never prayed this prayer before, saying, Lord Jesus, fill me with your Spirit. Just fill me with your Spirit. Plunge me into the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Drench me. Immerse me. May there be a boldness and brokenness in my witness. May there be an increasing hunger for you. May there be an ongoing transformation of my character, more of Jesus and more of me, that there just be, fill me with your spirit, O oh God. If you've never prayed that, you can pray that this morning. That's something I pray on a regular basis, by the way. It's not like pray it once and done the rest of your life. I pray that, I feel like multiple times a week where I just say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Remember the old story, there was an old preacher that, uh, I think it was, um, uh, who was it? It was a moody preacher, and he was preaching like at a chapel service, and, and there was like an elderly woman came up to him, and he was talking about being filled with the Spirit. And the elderly woman after the service came up to the preacher and said, preacher, are you filled with the Spirit? And he said, yes, but I leak. And I think if we're all honest... We're all leaky vessels at some point. That's why it's an ongoing filling of the Spirit. Just say, Lord Jesus, fill me with your Spirit. Stay. Do not, do not leave Jerusalem. And receive. Receive the Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. And I close with this one final quote, and then I'll pray for us. Mark Buchanan, one of my favorite authors, Two paragraphs here. The quote's a little lengthy, but hang with me. I think it's worthwhile. The first paragraph describes the one who's struggling with just having right answers but lacks the Spirit. The second paragraph gets at what we're driving at today. So look, the, the one who is all about discipline and control and accountability. He is lean and sharp and focused. He gets more done, has fewer mess-ups, can quote with flawless accuracy more Scripture. He just lacks joy. His faith and virtue sour with each passing year. He struggles with judging others and hating himself. The twin offspring of self-striving. He nurses, I suspect, bitterness toward God. His children are mostly silent, but have watchful, distrustful eyes. Now contrast that with second paragraph. The one who seeks the Spirit. He garbles Scripture and can never remember what passage comes from where. He bumbles and ambles at times. He is earthy in a way some people find shocking. He could lose a few pounds and sometimes forgets mid-sentence what he's talking about. But he abounds with joy. He gets sweeter by the day. He's one of the few people I know who truly loves sinners and hates sin. And people instantly sense it. They sense they're safe with him. His love for God is as inviting as a blue lagoon and contagious as laughter. He is his children's hero. And so church, man, can we, let's just commit to pursue a whole lot more of paragraph two and by his grace kind of relinquish that paragraph one stuff. And that's only possible as we seek the spirit and yield to the spirit and are filled with the spirit. Let's pray together.
Jesus, I think about these moments for us. I think about all of us in some measure have just wanted to run on so many fronts these days. It's been really hard to stay and to wait. Would you give us the grace to wait? Would you open up our ears to hear what you're saying to us? Maybe some listening in some really tough situations to stay and believe that you are there, you are present, you are active, you are working, and that there is a receiving that's going to come on the backside of this staying. Lord, fill us with your Spirit. Stir up a boldness and brokenness in our witness. Deepen our hunger for you. And transform and shape and mold our character. More of Christ and more of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.